Greetings, everyone. This is Terry Naturally with another edition of Terry Talks Nutrition. We're here every Saturday and Sunday morning from 8 o'clock until 9 o'clock Central Standard Time. And you can listen to us locally as you are in the Green Bay market, Green Bay, Wisconsin, USA. And you can listen to us via our computer or your computer and our website, TerryTalksNutrition.com. There you can listen anywhere around the world as we live stream our radio program to the internet. So if you have to leave early and you uh, are out of town, maybe you're going to be taking a little bit of a holiday but don't want to miss a show, you can also use your computer outside of the Green Bay market. Or any one of your friends or relatives that you think they would like to listen to the show, you can tell them about going on to our website, and listen to our radio program via the website. You can also go to our website and subscribe to our newsletter. We send out a weekly newsletter every Friday to your email address. And all these are archived. The newsletter and the radio show are archived on our website. So you can go in and listen to all the past radio shows and read all the newsletters. And if you're looking for something specifically on, the, on a topic that you have an interest in, you can go to the e-newsletter archive section and type in a word that pertains to the subject you are interested in. Could be arthritis, could be hypothyroidism, could be cancer, or whatever it might be. You put that in the search section and several email will come up and address those that topic for you. So you can find a lot more information with videos, radio shows, and newsletters to occupy your free time if that's convenient for you. But today we have a long list of topics and we never ever get through all the topics that we have that we would like to share with you, but over time we will. But our feature topic today is ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is an Indian herb that we'll talk more about as to the benefits and the health-promoting benefits as well. And we'll talk about some new reported adverse effects, bad effects, side effects to acetaminophen. We'll talk about coffee for colon cancer and probiotics for kids, and a new study on the risk factors of type 2 diabetes, which is pretty much an epidemic in the U.S. 30 million people, adults, have type 2 diabetes. And it really is not a disease. It's a choice. It's optional. You don't have to have type 2 diabetes. It's a condition that is more of a metabolic disorder than a disease. But being classified as a disease, drug companies can then make drugs to treat type 2 diabetes. The only treatment you need is a change of diet, more activity, 
an exercise program and lose some weight. If you want to take pills, drugs, for type 2 diabetes, that's your choice. Everybody has freedom to choose what they want. If you're tired of drugs, tell your doctor that you might want to try a more natural approach, change your diet, include more exercise, walking, swimming, biking, whatever it might be, kettlebell swings, get more active, and lose weight. And there's 100 million people in the U.S. that are pre-diabetic. In time, it's going to be 100 to 150 million people being classified as diabetic. And that causes many other complications. High blood pressure, heart disease, and many other complications. We talk about the importance of zinc. As you may have seen, that President Trump was using zinc. And maybe you should too. But we'll have more information today than we can get through. So let's start as quickly as possible and get to some of the meat of the program. Ashwagandha. This is an adaptogen, which means it helps your body to adapt to change. And it rejuvenates the body and is one of the most important herbs in Ayurvedic medicine. The medicine of India. Traditional medicine that has been used for over 3,000 years. And they have used it basically because of how they responded to and they saw changes in body function 3,000 years ago. But now, modern research and the modern day studies, clinical studies, have found that ashwagandha is effective for treating male infertility, low thyroid function, mild memory disorders, sleep problems, but it's best known for stress relief and stress reduction. Now, tell me who is not stressed out today. I don't think anybody in America can say, hey, I have no stress at all. I feel fantastic. Well, maybe you do. But there are many, many people that are stressed out from a variety of reasons in America today. So the compounds, the, pre, the, the principal compounds in ashwagandha with analytes, with analytes, they are associated with a biologically active compound that has all the effects health-wise on the body. Forty different with analytes have been so far identified and studied. And they are referred to individually. And new research focused on with analyte A and this has a very effective anti-cancer activity 
and may be a potential therapy for COVID-19 infection. This, with interlide, blocks the COVID-19 virus from binding to receptors in the lungs, heart, and intestines. But the real clinical research that has the most powerful effect is stress relief. And a study of 60 stressed patients but otherwise healthy adults took ashwagandha and this was a very special ashwagandha as all ashwagandha normally contains about 3 to 5% even less of the withlenolides but this one this very special one is standardized to 35% withlenolide content so this is a very special form now they use this very special form standardized to 35% against the placebo so half of the 60 stressed out adults 30 took a placebo 30 got the ashwagandha 35% and the results after 60 days of use 30 to 40% reduction in depression and anxiety versus only 10% to 24% reduction for the placebo group. A 23% reduction in cortisol. Cortisol is an adrenal hormone that's increased under stress. So when it's at high levels, It causes many complications. So by using ashwagandha, it reduced the cortisol level by 23%. And no change for those that were taking the placebo. It gave 11% increase in testosterone in men, but no increase of testosterone in women. And no change either in men or women in the placebo group. So for men, they get a boost of testosterone. And then there is additional research on ashwagandha for hormone balance. 43 overweight men, ages between 40 and 70, with mild fatigue, took a ashwagandha called EP35 or a placebo for 16 weeks. And the result of this study of 43 adult men overweight between 40 and 70, they had an 18% increase in DHEA which is the building block for testosterone. There was a 14% increase in testosterone, although it did not reach statistical significance, but there was a trend 
to the reduction of fatigue up to 12%. In another study on sleep, 50 healthy older adults, ages 60 to 85, received either ashwagandha, 300 milligrams standardized to 35% of the with analytes, or placebo, twice daily for 12 weeks. And the result of this clinical study, mental alertness on walking, or excuse me, on waking, improved 53% in the ashwagandha group versus 38% in the placebo group. They were more alert upon waking. And the sleep quality improved by 57% in the ashwagandha group versus 25% improvement in the placebo group. Overall, all the doctors overseeing the ashwagandha group reported good or excellent results. And all the patients in the ashwagandha group rated their experience with ashwagandha as good or excellent. It's better to hear how the patient feels and how they respond to it that gives you the real meaning of how ashwagandha works. So what you should know about ashwagandha. Typical extracts are standardized to about 5% with analytes. But most recent research now has found a higher standardization of up to 35%, about seven or eight times stronger. So by taking 125 milligrams up to one to three times daily could help you improve sleep time, sleep quality, stress reduction, lowering cortisol levels, improving libido, actually even improving infertility. So this is a very wonderful adaptogen. And no significant adverse effects, no serious side effects. This gives you a really good response without worrying about any side effects. Now, unfortunately, drugs are not so forgiving. Here's some new adverse effects of acetaminophen, one of the most common over-the-counter that most people reach for, for pain relief, or for a number of other reasons. Another name for acetaminophen is Tylenol. New study reports that the use of this drug reduces the ability to experience empathy and increases risk-taking behavior. So what does that mean? Who cares if somebody has an increased risk-taking behavior? Well, 
Researchers gave young, healthy college students acetaminophen or a placebo and then asked them questions about risky behavior or activities like skydiving, abruptly switching careers, impulsive impulsive buying sprees, impulsive language, bungee jumping off a tall building, voicing an unpopular opinion during a work meeting, and gave them computerized tests designed to measure risk-taking behavior. The results of all this new study report versus placebo Students given acetaminophen or Tylenol were much more likely to take risks and were less likely to perceive high levels of risk in any specific situation. So what does this mean in in real life? You know, these are studies. They're small studies. So what does this mean to you and I that may, may take something like Tylenol Well, 25%, think about this, and Tylenol is the number one cause of liver failure in the United States. 16,000 people die annually from drugs like Tylenol. 25% of the adult population takes acetaminophen every week. 25%. That's what, about um, 75 million people. 75 to maybe 100 million people take acetaminophen every week. And since it's sold over the counter, you don't need a prescription. I really think this product should be on prescription. Because when people buy it off the shelf in a pharmacy or convenience store or wherever, you can go to any of these big box stores and they sell it. So it kind of of gives you a confidence that it can't be too seriously or dangerous because the FDA has approved it for over-the-counter sale. But it is dangerous. So think of the decisions involving risk that we take every day. Driving. Maybe you cut somebody off too short. Maybe you're going too fast. Maybe you're trying to make the yellow light before it turns red. We take risky situations all the time, or more often, I should say, when taking acetaminophen. Healthcare, whether you have surgery or not, people make decisions without thinking that are on acetaminophen. Playing a dangerous sport. 
consuming excess alcohol and with Tylenol. So could acetaminophen interfere with our ability to access the risk of our decisions every day? Well, that's what the study says. The study says yes. We make choices when we are on acetaminophen that we would probably not make when we're off. So let's go to something more positive. How about coffee for colon cancer? Coffee actually is a prevention for cancer. Now, if you don't drink coffee, I'm not saying you should go out and start drinking coffee. But if you're a coffee drinker, Coffee has some real health benefits in terms of prevention of cancer. In fact, researchers gathered diet information, including coffee consumption, from over a thousand people with advanced colon cancer that could not be treated by surgery. There was not a surgical means of helping them recover from colon cancer. The results of the study compared with people who drank no coffee, drinking a cup a day. Now, people that drank a cup a day, one cup, increased overall survival by 11%. An increased time before cancer progression By 5%. But now, hold on. It gets better. Results for those drinking four or more cups per day. Now, these are people with colon cancer. 36% overall increase in survival. 36%. Just by drinking four cups of coffee. Or more. A 22% increase rate of surviving without disease progressing to a worse condition. And in this particular study, which did vary with other studies of coffee, but this particular study, it did not make any difference if the coffee was regular or decaffeinated. And why? Because taking the caffeine out did not disturb the level of compounds that are in coffee that are called polyphenols that are very potent antioxidant with anti-cancer activity. So if you're drinking coffee... It's okay. But the thing to do is preferably drink black coffee. Because milk and cream prevent the absorption of some of these polyphenols. So try to drink black coffee. 
Now, here's one for kids. Probiotics. Many people today are taking a probiotic. The friendly bacteria that houses pounds of bacteria, friendly bacteria, in our gut. But actually, probiotics may help kids lose weight. They took 100 obese children. And this is, this is one of my saddest. Well, why should children be obese? And there's 18% of children between the ages of 2 and 19 that are obese. That's grossly overweight. And what's going to stop them or change the direction that they're going? Probably not. Anything. They are already in a very bad condition. And in this study, they took 100 obese children and adolescents, ages between 6 and 18. You'd never think a child of that age should be grossly overweight. But these were put on a controlled diet and given a probiotic containing two strains of bifidobacterium or placebo for just eight weeks. And the result of this study, both groups lost weight, but late weight loss was greater in the kids taking the probiotics. Additionally, the probiotic group had better insulin sensitivity and activity and greater reductions in E. coli, the bacteria. Previously published research has linked higher levels of E. coli in the gut with greater risk of childhood obesity. 18 to 20% of U.S. kids are obese. That's not a very pretty picture. You wonder why we are the sickest country in the world. Well, I've got to pause for a few moments for the station to identify itself. Just a few seconds, so don't go away. We're coming back. We have about a half hour left to the program, so stay with us. We'll come back right here on Terry Talks Nutrition. I'm Terry Naturally. Join us. And maybe in this meantime, call somebody. Tell them to join us this morning. And welcome back, my friends. This is Terry Naturally with Terry Talks Nutrition. We're here every Saturday and Sunday. Every, every Saturday Sunday over the weekend, 8 o'clock until 9 o'clock Central Standard Time. Tell your friends and family they can join us. Love to have them. We're here to share information with you. Hopefully that we can give you some ideas, encouragement to be healthier and happier and lose those pounds if you need to. Don't be over fat. So this portion of the program, we're going to talk about nitric oxide. Nitric oxide. 
What is it? And what do you know about it? Well, nitric oxide is a naturally produced compound in the body. And the most important job for this compound is to open up your vessels, open up your arteries, dilates, allowing more circulation, better circulation to every part of the body. Better circulation to the heart, eyes, all the organs and glands, and including the penis. Men do not have an erection because blood does not flow into the penis to enlarge the penis. So blood circulation, all the plumbing, so-called, in our body, directs all the oxygen, all the nutrients, to each and every part of the body. Everything. So if you have a artery clogged, or partially clogged, Blood's not going to flow very well. And this dilation of the vessels causing the inner muscles of the blood vessels to relax so they can't expand or widen and increase blood circulation. So all the blood It's like a river, and it carries all the nutrients. It feeds the heart, the brain, the eyes, and all the other parts of the body with nutrients and oxygen and low nitric oxygen. Production is associated with heart disease, diabetes, And ED, erectile dysfunction. Some men think just by having an increased level of testosterone, which is one factor, but it's not the major factor. Increasing nitric oxide, causing a flow of blood, because when I talk to a lot of men, They have a desire to have sex. They want to have sex. But they don't have an erection. So mentally they're prepared. They have the libido. But why isn't... Why is there an ability to have an erection? Blood flow. And the body reserves the blood for the most critical functions of the body. The heart needs it much more than the penis. So the blood's going to flow to the heart as best that it can than to the penis. So that's why they came out with like Viagra, which was a heart medicine. And when it was given to men who had a heart disease, they all, all of a sudden found out they had an erection. 
And then it became more lucrative to sell it as a product for ED or erectile dysfunction because it's just blood flow. Blood to the heart, blood to the penis. And nitric oxide also helps to open up airways. Inhaled nitric oxide is now being considered as a treatment for COVID-19 and the upper respiratory tract infections. So this is really critical that we have proper blood flow. And we can do that in some natural ways. There are natural alternatives that increases and boosts a higher level of nitric oxide. And one of the most researched herbs is red ginseng which has been shown to inhibit compounds that reduce nitric oxide synthesis, the manufacturing of it, the production of it. Red ginseng increased nitric oxide by almost 30%. This This was actually a cell study. But in a live study, in vivo study, it increased blood vessel relaxation by 75%. That is quite significant. Red ginseng has been found to normalize blood pressure and improve circulation. Another nitric oxide booster are apple and grapes especially the apple extracts and grape, French grapeseed extract, because they have a high concentration of polyphenols along with saffron. So in a preclinical work study, this combination increased nitric oxide activity by 43%. And in a trial, clinical trial, For men with erectile dysfunction, 72% of the subjects, or the men, reported significant improvement in sexual function. 72%. Now the difference between red ginseng improving erectile dysfunction was it takes time to improve blood flow compared to Cialis or Viagra. So it might take a few weeks to improve blood flow to the point where there is an erection. So it's not a pill and hop into bed. It's an improvement of the quality of circulation and blood flow. And this takes anywhere from a few weeks to maybe a month or two. Now here's a new study on risk factors for type 2 diabetes. It is such a simple procedure 
to go from taking medication for type 2 diabetes to going back to a better choice of lifestyle. Choosing what you eat. Choosing the level of activities. Losing weight. Just getting in shape will allow you to become a non-diabetic and therefore off medication. I'm not saying go off your medication. Talk to your doctor. But the facts are there that type 2 diabetes is totally optional. And obesity, this is really, really, you know, there's no reason, no reason whatsoever to be obese. But it's responsible for high blood pressure, liver disease, kidney disease, heart disease, and many forms of cancer. It's just not being out of shape. It is being unhealthy. And those that are obese have the highest degree of contracting viral infections like COVID-19. And almost 50% of American adults get this. Think about this. Almost 50% of American adults are classified as obese. And 91% of all adults are over fat and less muscle. And now they found that obesity is more powerful than genetics in assessing the risk of diabetes. Not in the family. It's in the food you eat. So researchers considered whether obesity combined with inherited risk factors of diabetes could identify people at the highest risk of developing diabetes. So they conducted genetic testing and measured height and weight in 445,000 people, a huge study, and a long-term study as it was an eight-year study. So you got almost a half million people, eight-year study. So you can't kick the study under the bed. It's too good of a study. But they found out that people with the highest BMI had 11 times the risk of diabetes versus the people with the lowest BMI group And the people with the highest BMI had the highest risk of diabetes regardless of their genetic risk. It didn't matter if the subjects or participants had been overweight for a long time or a short time. The increased risk of diabetes was the same regardless. So the conclusion of this study almost all cases get this almost all cases of diabetes could be avoided 
by losing weight. By keeping the BMI below the cutoff point that triggers abnormal blood sugar. That's all it is. Type 1 diabetes is a autoimmune disease. It is a disease. And thankfully, two great scientists discovered how to make insulin artificially. For those type 1 diabetics, they do not make insulin. There's a defect in the pancreas that does not allow them to manufacture or produce normally insulin. A non-diabetic type 1 makes insulin. So when doctors see patients today that are not type 1, but they have a very high blood sugar level, they don't know what to call it because it's not diabetes type 1, so they call it type 2, and they treat it with drugs and insulin. It's crazy because if the person has a high blood sugar level and makes insulin, it really has come to the point where the insulin is ineffective and the cells are resistant to the insulin. So the insulin isn't working. And why isn't it working? Because there's just too much sugar in the person's bloodstream for the insulin to take it all out. Insulin is a hormone. And it's a fat-storing hormone. You store more fat. And it is, it is designed to take the sugar into the cell to burn for energy. But the American diet is so high in sugar that the insulin says, oh my God, I can't, I can't keep up. So then the doctors give you more insulin and more medication with more side effects. But all you have to do is don't eat the sugar. What a crazy thing. Duh, right? It's because we are eating so much sugar. We've gone from four or five pounds of sugar in the early 1900s to almost 250 pounds of sugar per year per individual today. It's crazy how much sugar that is consumed in the American diet. By prepared foods, by prepared boxes of garbage that are on the store shelves, loaded with sugar. Starbucks coffee drinks, 12 teaspoons of sugar per drink. It's a lot of sugar. And people have two or three drinks a day. And you know almost a thousand calories a drink? We are eating so many calories and nothing in terms of nutrition for the health of our body. So COVID-19.
we are eating so much sugar and no nutrition. We are missing the nutrients that we need for the immune system to be healthy and for the immune system to be able to fight and resist viral infection. Like vitamin A. Not beta-carotene, that doesn't work. Not in this case. Vitamin A, straight retinol vitamin A. Vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, and selenium. And 1.2 billion people worldwide are deficient in zinc. Almost 2 billion are deficient in selenium. Many, many people aren't healthy enough to resist the infection. So they are maybe more sick and maybe some of them die. We don't have a healthy body to resist the infection. And number one cause of COVID-19 is obesity. And talking about zinc, let's talk about zinc and the importance of zinc. This is a nutrient that has tremendous benefits. You know, all of our nutrients are classified as essential. All the vitamins and minerals are classified as essential because we can't live without them. Maybe for a week, maybe two weeks at most. Many, like vitamin C, vitamin B, they're water-soluble. So they're out of the body within one day. So if we don't repair, if we don't restore them daily, we can't store them in the body. So we have to have them every day. And like zinc and selenium, they may be in the body for about two weeks. And then we have to resupply them. But we should do that every day. And we can't live without these. And people are trying to, they're eating garbage and trying to wonder why they're sick. And zinc is a very powerful and effective antiviral mineral. And over 30% of the world, the world's population is deficient in zinc. And just being deficient in one nutrient like zinc or selenium allows the virus to be much more active. In fact, they've done, they've done studies with selenium, divided a group of animals, half the group got plenty of selenium in their diet, the other half, no selenium in their diet. Those that had the selenium in their diet, they may have gotten ill from the virus that was injected. But they recovered, no problems, mild to moderate symptoms. And then in the animals that had no selenium, what could be a mild to moderate symptoms, because of no selenium, the virus turned into a killer. 
and most of the animals died that didn't have selenium. So we're talking real medicine, not drugs, real medicines, zinc and selenium, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin A. These are powerful immune-enhancing nutrients. And I love all the herbal, I love andrographis, propolis, elderberry. They are all very powerful, immune-boosting and enhancing herbs or food or ingredients. But even if we do take one of those three herbal compounds and we are deficient in zinc, which is critical, we need to have the combination. 30% of the world's population is deficient in zinc. In a study in Spain, researchers took blood samples of 249 people with COVID-19 admitted to the hospital. When zinc levels were tested, those with the lowest zinc levels were far more likely to die. For each unit increase in zinc at the time of admission to the hospital, the risk of dying was reduced 7%. And zinc has very specific antiviral actions and helps control inflammation. It works well when paired with selenium and vitamin D, which have similar properties. You know, they're looking for drugs. They're looking for vaccines. Our immune system in our body is a vaccine. It's what helps us block the viral uptake and the replication of the virus and it mutating. Our body is equipped with that. And they're looking for a vaccine. Yeah, they're looking for a lot of money. Whoever comes up with a vaccine, huge, billions and billions of dollars. They're all vying for this. And if you don't take care of yourself, probably you should have a vaccine. But you can take care of yourself. You can load up with vitamin C, vitamin A, with vitamin D, zinc, and selenium. This is not rocket science. This is what our body needs every day for a healthy immune system. We can't go without it. And if we, if we go without it just for a few days, that makes us susceptible. So people that are dying may not have the nutrients that they should have, especially the elderly. I've seen what people eat in nursing homes. Yuck. I don't think my dog would be able to fare on some of the meals that are fed in nursing homes. Terrible. Costs money to feed people in a nursing home. That's the way to keep the cost down. And unfortunately, we sacrifice many people that have died, which maybe they didn't have to die if they're well fed and had the, the nutrients that they needed that were, that's actually absolutely required. Zinc does so many wonderful things. And selenium. In fact, selenium 
is now approved by the FDA for a moderate claim to reduce breast and prostate cancer. But that has not been conclusively established, but it looks like from a study or two that it has some great benefits, and it can be claimed to improve and reduce the risk of breast and prostate cancer. Now there are six wonderful health benefits of curcumin. And I'll probably just get through this material before I go on. But here we are. Six reasons why you should take curcumin. It prevents diabetes. In a nine-month study of people with prediabetes, 16% of the control group advanced to type 2 diabetes, while zero people on curcumin did. It relieves pain. One of the most effective steroids, steroid-like, I should say. It's not a steroid, but it has the same effect as a steroid, and as effectively as prescription and OTC drugs. It guards against cancer, significantly inhibited formation and spread of breast, prostate, bladder, lung, and other types of cancer in multiple, multiple studies. Keeps your liver healthy. 70 people with liver cirrhosis, ages 20 to 70, received 1,000 milligrams of curcumin a day or a placebo for three months. Overall, liver function improved 22% in the curcumin group and got worse in the other group of placebo. Protects against dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Reduces inflammation. Very, very powerful anti-inflammatory. It acts as multiple pathways to reduce inflammation, which is the root cause of almost every disease, including pain. And with that, my friends, I have got to run, but I'll be back here tomorrow at 8 o'clock till 9 o'clock Central Standard Time. I'll be here with you again for another half, excuse me, another hour of our program. But before I leave, I want you to say a prayer for this crazy, crazy, insane world. And God bless you and God bless America.